a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Yoo-hoo, running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden in Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time, and the episode we are watching and talking about this week is Season 2, Episode 5, Supermodel. Gotta go back down to Guatemala for some more cheap cert- m- mission trip, a lot of kids. Supermodel airing June 22nd, 2003, and I got a lot to say about this one. I'm excited to get into it. Taking a step back from last week's episode, Supercomputer, where we had a guest star, we are back to just the main cast in this one, similar to the other episodes this season, but I'm going to say it up front here. This episode really nails what they are trying to go for with these slice-of-life just the main character episodes. This episode is very tight. The pacing is great, which is usually a problem they fall into with the other Slice of Life episodes so far. But beyond that, we get a very rare Meatwad is the villain episode here, which is a lot of fun. But I, I don't want to get into too much of it now. But but yeah, I mean, we, we have a lot to look forward to here because even though it's a similar formula to what we've been getting, this time they really nail it, I think. But all right, before we get into the episode, of course, we've got other stuff to talk about in terms of aqua teen news this week nothing really going on but instead of leaving you empty-handed i will just mention that i woke up the other day to see that dana snyder has followed this podcast on instagram which is very cool i don't know how he saw it i hadn't tagged him in anything recently but really nice to see really puts gas in the old tank when stuff like that happens so very exciting hopefully one step closer to talking with that fella but okay i guess that's our aqua teen news this week Our boy Master Shane of the 612 Wharf Avenue podcast left us a little voice message pertaining to this episode of Aqua Teen. So let's take a listen. Hey, Ronnie. Master Shane here, or Young Meatwad, whatever you want to call me. I'm here. Yeah, so that's right. I'm back. Um, Just a little something about Supermodel that I like. Supermodel is, in my opinion... A really funny is one. It's a really funny episode. Just seeing Shake ugly. He looks ugly as fuck when he gets all that stuff. Meatwad messing with him is a great change. It's honestly to see him get his revenge. That's what I think of a supermodel. Great episode. Anyway, stay cool, dude. I remember. This is uh, Master Shane calling from Six One Two Worth Avenue, right next to the Melon Shaker. Here's the uh, Gentlemen's Club, and see ya. Shane, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on this episode of Aqua Teen. Shane being the 13-year-old fan of Aqua Teen who has his own podcast called, again, 612 Wharf Avenue. Check that sucker out. Looks like he just put up Bus of the Undead this month, and I still got to listen to that one, but I'm very excited. Shane reached out to me to be on the episode, but unfortunately, I have enough trouble making this podcast. I'm like, sorry, buddy. I uh, don't have the time to be on another podcast about Aqua Teen, but uh, give him a listen there. He's doing some good work. And yeah, Shane just kind of hit on everything we already discussed a little bit. And those are some great observations. Shane taking the words directly out of my mouth. So if you would like to send in your own voice clip regarding whatever about Aquatine, head on over to speakpipe.com slash dancing is forbidden or check the show notes. All that information is down there. You know that. But okay, let's keep this thing moving. What the heck was going on this week that Supermodel aired June 22nd, 2003? Let me see what's happening. Getting angry, turning green, and ripping out of all of his clothes, except for his shorts, thankfully. We have the Hulk smashing into the box office in the number one spot, bringing in a cool $62 million this week. Big green guy. You know who he is. I know who he is. And he will be spoofed 10 episodes later on Aqua Teen in the episode The Shaving, but we're not quite there yet. Let's talk about the Hulk a little bit. It has a 5.6 out of 10 on IMDb, a 62% on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie, not received well. And I saw this movie around the time that it came out, and yeah, I I would probably rate it the same. I remember thinking it was kind of boring, wasn't really into it. And you got to remember here that this is not sweet-eyed Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. This is Eric Bana, I think. Uh, B-A-N-A. Bana? I don't know. He's playing Hulk. For some reason, I remembered it as Mark Ruffalo, but it is not. 
And that leads us into some trivia here. Edward Norton was approached to play Bruce Banner, but he turned it down. He didn't like the script despite being a Hulk fan. He later accepted the role in The Incredible Hulk in 2008. So we went from Eric Bana to Edward Norton finally settling on Mark Ruffalo for The Hulk. But yeah, as for this movie itself, no shared cast with Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Uh, yeah, no one really cares about this movie. I get the impression and I remember not really caring about it at the time either. So that's it for film and television this week. Obviously, no television to talk about. I didn't see anything that tickled my fancy. So moving on to music here. What is our number one album this week in the United States? That's right, we've got the boys in Metallica coming at us with their newest album, Saint Anger, this week. Or, as the gang over at the Roach Coach podcast call it, Stanger. And this album, not very good. Um, surprisingly not good to me. I am not a Metallica fan. I think they're kind of, meh. I mean, I understand their importance at the time, but uh, as, as a metal fan, not really into Metallica at all. But this album, one I heard a lot as a kid. My mom picked it up when it came out, contributing to this number one spot on the Billboard Top 200 albums this week. This one's selling 418,000 copies this week. And yeah, uh, I listened to it again over on the Roach Coach podcast where they go over new metal albums, uh, rock albums that came out around this time. And very, very, very funny podcast. They're all improv comedians. And they ripped into this one. But beyond that, just hearing these songs back again, I forgot how boring this album is. Most of the songs are really long. But they don't need to be because it's basically you just imagine writing a three minute song. You just play it again after itself. You play that song twice in a row and that's every single song on this album. Basically just repeating itself every single time. Uh, it's a mess. Sorry, I, I just I, this album is not very interesting. But beyond that, you heard that snare drum at the beginning. You heard that nasty old sound. Gives me a headache every time. That, that's all we need to say about this Metallica album. But Metallica, I must mention, were shouted out on Aquatine in the episode Interfection over in season one. So hey, there's some connection there, huh? And sorry, I, I undersold this album, I think. Looking at the track lengths, there are 11 tracks on this album, and the album is over an hour and 15 minutes long. So yeah, each song is like well over six minutes. It's insane. For a progressive rock album, hey, that's nothing. But uh, for, for a Metallica album where these songs are not progressive, it's just nuts. But okay, moving on, our top track this week is 21 Questions by 50 Cent and Nate Dogg. Yet again, nothing new there. And our top alternative track this week is still Trapped's Headstrong. We have a little bit of music news for this exact day that Supermodel came out, and I was surprised to see it on Wikipedia. I almost shit my britches when I saw it, because this is the date where Nick Oshero replaces Ken J in Static X. I know you probably don't know what that means, but Static X is one of my favorite bands. And Nick Oshiro replacing Ken J, the drummer. Th these guys are drummers. Right before the album Shadow Zone comes out later this year. Nick not playing on that album because there were already issues with Ken J. But yeah, Nick uh, eventually joined the band. And you can rest easy knowing that Ken J later rejoined the band for their 2020 album, Project Regeneration. Now, I could do a whole podcast on Static X. In fact, I have. I did an episode, uh, a podcast I tried to do before this one a few years ago was a music podcast where I went through band's discographies. And basically, the lead singer slash creative mastermind behind Static X, Wayne Static, died in 2014 on bad terms with the rest of the band in that Wayne Static was touring solely as Static X with a bunch of backup musicians in basically shitty little clubs and bars and stuff like that. Which is a big deal because they were a multi-platinum selling band. They were a very popular band in the early 2000s around this period. Anyways, yeah, 2014, Wayne Static dies on bad terms with all the past members who weren't even in the band anymore. But five years later, in 2019... All these surviving members regroup as Static X. They bring on a mystery vocalist who is dressing up like Wayne Static, playing the songs. It's just very bizarre. But Ken J is back in the band, I guess is my point here. I'm not going to waste any more of your time with this, but just a very strange situation that I cannot talk enough about. And it was really crazy to see that on this exact day that Supermodel aired, this business was going on with Static X. It gave me an excuse to blabber to you about it. So there you go. So moving on to our video games for the week, what do we got? Well, we got one big title dropping. 
We've got Tomb Raider, the Angel of Darkness dropping on June 20th, two days before this episode of Aqua Teen airs. And this Tomb Raider game, not getting good reviews at all. I think this is probably considered the worst in the franchise. Tomb Raider was really big at the end of the 90s and early 2000s, and you probably are aware of it, but it features Laura Croft, an action woman who is doing all sorts of crazy things, kind of like Indiana Jones, I think, where she's going through uh, temples and old caves and, and all this good stuff. This series has since been rebooted and is doing quite well to this day, I think, but this game in 2003 coming out, The Angel of Darkness... The developer was having a lot of trouble at the time while making this game. It was a very turbulent time for the studio. And yeah, this game just glitchy. It got bad reviews. I'm watching footage of it and the character Laura Croft looks so floaty, hard to control. It's just a mess of a game. But maybe you played this game back in the day because Tomb Raider was still a very large franchise. And one thing I like about Tomb Raider is how quiet those games are. There's just a lot of silence in the game where you're walking around a cave. All you have are the echoes of your footsteps. Pretty cool experience. I remember watching my cousin play it growing up. Not this particular game, but the earlier games. Watching him play Tomb Raider. And I got some good memories, especially locking her butler in the freezer in one of the earlier games. But this is Angel of Darkness. Bad game, but you might have played it. I don't know. All right, so I realize I always do these uh, little transitions. And I kind of frame this podcast as someone my age. But there are a lot of listeners who are older than me. I don't want to alienate you guys. I appreciate you listening. So let me try and do something a little different here. It's Sunday night. You are not looking forward to going back to class at your college university. That's right. You're back in your university days. And it's been a really, really shitty week in terms of pop culture. You're getting the short end of the stick this week because you saw the Hulk in theaters. You, you went with your friends and it fucking sucked. You had the displeasure of hearing the worst snare drum of all time with Metallica's Stanger, and you, you do not think it's very good. It's not very hip or trendy at all. Get Metallica out of here. And you just got the new game for the PlayStation, Tomb Raider, Angel of Darkness, and that sucked too. It's been a horrible week. It's Sunday night. You don't want to go to class tomorrow, but what is coming at Adult Swim? Your last safe haven for a happy life. Hey, older listeners, let me know if I'm accurate with any of that. Anyways, let me tell you what's coming at Adult Swim this very week. At 11 p.m. we have home movies with business and pleasure. At 11.30 p.m. we have Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law with Dead on What Part 2. At 11.45 p.m. we get Aqua Teen Hunger Force with Supermodel. This being our only new episode this week, so anybody who is alive at this time paying attention to pop culture, ready to watch some Adult Swim, I'm sorry. Aqua Teen is your only saving grace this week in terms of anything. It's a very pathetic time in human history. At 12 a.m., we get Sea Lab 2021 with Brain Switch. At 12.15 a.m., we get Space Ghost Coast to Coast with Spec. At 12.30 a.m., the Oblongs with Flush Flush Sweet Helga. At 1 a.m., we get Rain the Conqueror with The Secret of Samo Trace. And at 1.30 a.m., we get Lupin the Third Part 2 cursed case scenario so hey i'm sorry everything kind of sucks this week i'm glad that i was just a little kid because if i remembered this horrible hell week i would be traumatized for life we got bad movies coming out we got bad albums topping the charts we got bad video games and we got a bad week of adult swim i'm sorry but hey like i said aqua teen is your saving grace this week because this episode fucking rocks let's go talk about it This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is brought to you by Terry's Body Shop. Does your roommate have you insecure about your looks? Do you have a disinterest or poor understanding of the law? Do you not care if parts of your ass are grafted onto your face? Well, if you meet any of these criteria, head on down to Terry's Body Shop. Terry is his name, and putting asses on faces is his game. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is also brought to you by the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden, forking over their hard-earned cash to support the show that you are listening to right now. But they aren't just getting some lovey-dovey feeling of support. No, these patrons are getting additional content where once a month I am deep diving through the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters, which releases on the last Monday of every month alongside the Community Jiggle episodes. There are also deep dives into other Adult Swim shows in that feed. When you sign up at the $5 and up level, you get a custom RSS code that you can plug into any podcast app 
besides Spotify, but that's a different story. Or you can listen right there on patreon.com or their mobile app, whatever is most convenient for you. And I have added a new goal on the Patreon. If we can get to $120 per month in donations, then I will cover the episode Baffler Meal right there on the Patreon, which I would love to do. So if we could hit that goal, it would tell me that spending the time deep diving into that one would be worth it. And I know some of you are thinking, Ronnie, what the fuck do you need $120 a month for to talk about the teens? Well, unfortunately, talking about the teens takes a lot of time, and I would like to do it even more. I would like to go back to four episodes a week, four full episodes, as well as more Patreon content. So the more support I get from you guys, the more I can do that, because unfortunately, Time is money, baby. I didn't make the rules. Don't blame me for that. I, trust me, if I was a trust fund kid, you'd be getting new episodes multiple times a week. You'd have so much teens, you wouldn't even know what to fucking do with it. So yeah, if you can't support the show financially, just spreading the show around, talking about the show, posting about the show, whatever helps just as much. Hey, let's talk about the teens right now. How about that? Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Supermodel airing June 22nd, 2003. It is the fifth episode to air this season, as well as the fifth in the production order. Supermodel originally aired with a TV PGDL rating for dialogue and language, but was since changed to a TV 14 rating. I speculate because of the mean nature of the episode, Meatwad is just really horrible to shake in this one, just psychologically, so so I, I assume that's why. Plus, there's just some body horror stuff going on that's, hey, kids probably shouldn't see that. Not to mention the name of the person that Fralock is chatting to on the computer is 69SoFine. Again, not really a kid-friendly joke. So let's jump into this Dr. Weird skit. While we don't have any guest stars this episode, we do get C. Martin Croker returning as Dr. Weird and Steve. And to make up for last week's very, very short and voiceless Dr. Weird clip, we get a bit of a longer clip here with a lot of dialogue, probably the dialogue of any Dr. Weird clip so far. We open to Dr. Weird's lab where he is showing Steve, gentlemen, behold, and there is just a rusty red lawnmower sitting there, a uh, push mower, not a riding mower. It's just sitting there, and through this clip, Dr. Weird reveals that he had sex with the mower. At a certain point, the mower starts kind of moving around and making noises, and then eventually the motor breaks in half, a turquoise egg rises up, and out of it comes two robot arms out of the egg. So, just gotta explain those visual elements to you. Let's take a listen to the clip. Gentlemen, behold, I have made love to this machine! <laughs> and now, upon retrospect, I ask why. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> someone thinks that's pretty neat. So you do that for science? No, or? it was free! And she was drunk, she didn't know what she was doing! My metal boy! So that is it, just pure nonsense, but a very, very, very funny clip. I, I really enjoy that Dr. Weird opening. Of course, having nothing to do with the upcoming Aqua Teen episode. I really enjoy how much dialogue both Dr. Weird and Steve get. Lately, it seems like we've been getting just really quick ones, especially with the last episode. But it's nice to see them, you know, have a little bit more time to breathe and to build on their characters a little bit more here. All right, so we're ready to jump into the proper episode. We open into the living room with Frylock sitting on the recliner. Note that the TV is not on. He's sitting on the chair looking at the TV, but it's not on. And behind the chair is Meatwad sitting on the ground with all of his toys scattered everywhere. And I'll name a few. I see the computer from the circus episode that Frylock got for Meatwad because he thought he was in computer camp. I see Dewey and Vanessa. And of note here is that these look to be new Dewey and Vanessa assets. These faces are unlike any we have seen so far in the show, so they have uh, redrawn new faces, which makes sense and fits with the lore that Meatwad would, you assume, have to remake these dolls every so often, especially Vanessa, who is an apple who would go bad fairly regularly. We see Meatwad's jam box, of course. We see the train set that he got in Mail Order Bride. And then we see a bunch of other toys we haven't seen before, such as a skateboard, a wrestler doll, some sort of... 1800s British guy, a yo-yo, a basketball, we see Squirrely, we see a fish, a beer bottle, some sort of gaming console, uh, all sorts of little toys here. Of note is Frylock's molecule 
display is out for some reason. I'm surprised that he is letting Meatwad play with that. So anyways, the point is that Meatwad has all of his toys out, and they're going to explain why that is. Let's take a listen. Oh, it sure is nice not having shake around. Yeah, it is odd that he'd go down to Guatemala and be a missionary. In fact, it's not true. Look here. He could be down there on a prom date with Santa Claus on the moon for all I care. The point is, I can do whatever I want with my toys. Put up your toys. Shut up. <laughs> so all the noise you're hearing is Miwad is just throwing his toys around. He's hitting them onto the ground. He's just playing with everything that he possibly can. And he is really enjoying the fact that, as mentioned, Shake is on a mission trip in Guatemala. Now, we know Shake. We know anything that he is doing supposedly for selfless reasons is a lie, and he is really doing something else for selfish reasons. Regarding this scene, I want to point out about Meatwad's toys. There are two things. One is that I really appreciate the varying levels in quality of all the toys, and I mean like fidelity. So some of them are really crisp and clear like Vanessa and Dewey, but then other toys are really pixelated when we zoom in on Meatwad talking. And a lot of things, such as the skateboard, look to be of a completely different animation style. So we have just a completely random mix of items for Meatwad's toys. And then the second thing I want to touch on is a really funny animation error, where at the beginning of the scene, Meatwad, he picks up Vanessa and he's moving her up and down. He's slamming her into the ground. And when he does this, behind him, there is his train set, but we see in the middle of the train set is a beer bottle. And whenever Meatwad moves his arm up and down, his arm and Vanessa go behind the beer bottle, which is supposed to be sitting behind him because of the perspective. So basically what this all means is if you have any experience with working in, say, Photoshop or any visual program with layers, the beer bottle layer was accidentally left above the other layers. So when Meatwad moves his arm, he is supposed to be in front of it. His arm goes behind it. So it makes no sense where this beer bottle is in physical space because it must be floating for it to be able to uh, be in front of Meatwad's arm otherwise. But yeah, just a really funny oversight here. Anyways, now back to the clip. Speak of the devil. They are saying how Shake isn't there. It's so great because Meatwad can leave his toys out and he isn't abused. And Frylock likes to not have to deal with Shake being an asshole to Meatwad specifically, but just in general. But again, speak of the devil, Shake is coming in right through the door. Shake comes into the room fresh off the plane from his missionary trip wearing a pair of cool wraparound sunglasses, but he also has a giant nose on his face now. This nose being an off-white color, not really matching his face. So we know something is up, obviously, because Shake does not have a nose. So let's hear how that scene plays out. Oh, hey. Well, that's good. How was your mission trip? And where did you get that nose? What nose? The one sticking out of your face. Oh, you mean the growth spurt? <laughs> yeah, well, it's common with kids my age. When you're a little older, you reach something called maturity. Look it up, wussy. It also goes by the name of rhinoplasty, doesn't it? Look, yes. During my mission trip, I had a small procedure done so I can breathe better and hit the high note. <laughs> and when do you sing? Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. Shake trying to pass all this off at first as he hit puberty while he was on his mission trip, but he eventually admits that he got a small procedure done. And then we get a Michael Jackson reference here because Michael Jackson got extensive work done on his nose and he claimed it was to be able to breathe better and, you know, hit higher notes and all this stuff. Really, the guy was just self-conscious about his nose, something that his father had always mocked him for, so it makes sense he would have body dysmorphia. But Shake here, he just wants to be good-looking and he wants to be a model. It's been no secret that Shake really wants to be in the entertainment world in some capacity, and this is a step towards that, which honestly, good for Shake that he is actually doing something about wanting to be famous. I mean, is this what he needed to do? I don't know, but at least it's something. So let's jump back into that scene. During this conversation, Shake's nose is starting to slide down his face because this is a really botched job. And he is going to bring up the fact that we have touched on before that Frylock chats to women online. We saw that in the deleted scenes of Escape from Leprocopolis, and it's going to rear its head again in this episode. Why don't you go back to your ugly room and get on that chat with the girl you're afraid to meet in person? You leave her out of this. And by the way, did you tell her that you're a box of friggin' frat? Oh, thank you. Bonus, <laughs> hey, you got a goatee. Yeah, that's in style. All right, all right, fine. Like you got a dead rat on your face. Well, you, you just let me know if those coconuts work out for you, okay? I don't know what you're talking about. 
So Shake's nose was falling down his face, like I said, and Frylock fixes it for him while Shake is tearing into Frylock. Shake mocking Frylock's goatee, which comes back later in the episode. So while that seems like an innocuous comment, it actually does matter, which is very, very funny that Frylock will take this to heart. So anyways, Frylock goes to his room because he's done arguing with Shake about this. And when he leaves, he mentions how Shake's nose is made out of coconuts and Shake's like, oh, what are you talking about? And then as Frylock leaves and goes into his room, Master Shake is about to bend down and ask Meatwad if he knows that they're coconuts. Can you tell these are coconuts? Because they spray painted them and they looked really good when I nah, left. Nah, you're looking good, boy. <laughs> they professional nostrils. Sorry about you. I can't put my meat on it. You seem smarter in the nose area. Well, thank you. I am. So Meatwad gaining Master Shake's trust here, saying, no, man, you look good. And Meatwad is now about to use this little bit of trust, this little compliment that he gave Shake to turn this entire episode around. And again, as I mentioned, this is one of those Meatwad as the villain episodes. And this one is really the darkest one so far that we have seen, the one where he is a villain the most, I guess, for lack of a better term, because in Balloonenstein, he gets his powers for a little bit, uses them, then loses them. That's it. In Dumber Days, he kind of does it a little bit, but not as bad here. This episode is really, really bad the way that Meatwad just manipulates Master Shake into getting all this surgery done. It's about to begin right here, right now. And a total contrast from the last episode, Supercomputer, where Meatwad was a bit of an idiot. As I talked about extensively in that episode, he just acts like a real dumbass in that one. And in this one, he is sharp and he knows exactly what he is doing. So so a little bit out of character for Meatwad, but I, I like when he acts this way because it gives more depth to his character than just being a dummy. Same thing as we are getting with Frylock, where we are getting more about his personality in terms of his, you know, trying to date women, all this sort of stuff. We, we are learning that Frylock is really a bit of a dork, a bit of a nerd. He's not just the boring straight man who has no personality. So let's see Meatwad just totally fuck with Shake. Yeah, it'd be great, too, if you had some cheekbones. You know, complete the set. Well, what's that supposed to mean? Well, hey, don't pin me down. I, your face just seems a little fat-heavy. But hey, you work with what God gave you, right? I mean, nobody says anything about it, but they are thinking. Nobody says anything about me? Well, why not? <laughs> All right, number one, your cheeks are hollow. Number two, you ain't got no masculine cut to your jaw. I mean, you could be a man or a woman. Right <laughs> what are you? Gotta go back down to Guatemala for some more cheap cert m mission trip. A lot of kids. Big trouble. When will you be back? That's really up to God now, isn't it? He works <laughs> through me. No one touches any of my stuff. I am a man, damn it. I try not to dissect dialogue too much anymore, but there's something here that really stood out to me. So Meatwad says... But hey, you work with what God gave you, right? I mean, nobody says anything about it, but they are thinking it. And then Shake says, nobody says anything about me. So I didn't really appreciate that joke at first, where, where Meatwad is saying, oh, you know, you don't really have to get better cheeks in a, in a jaw because nobody says anything, but they're thinking about it. But Shake's takeaway from that is that, oh, nobody's talking about me. Why? Just some great narcissistic writing from Matt and Dave there but yeah i mean you heard meatwad just convinced shake to go back down to guatemala to get more work done because he needs better cheeks he needs a better chin and then he'll be ready to start his modeling career and then master shake announces that he is leaving for guatemala right now which is surprising you know he didn't buy tickets yet or anything how is he gonna get down there but regardless he announces he's leaving he goes up to the door and we see two more of meatwad's toys on the left side we see a sock puppet which is just a sack with eyes drawn on it. Then on the right side, we see some sort of blow-up clown toy. You blow it up, and there's a picture of a clown on it, and, uh, you know, kids can punch it, they could jump on it, whatever. Real quick, maybe I should point out that Guatemala is south of Mexico. It is the country directly to the south, and it neighbors Belize, which are both touching the southern tip of Mexico, which begins Central America, leading down, of course, to South America. So, all right, let's jump back in and hear Frylock's reaction to everything that just went down. Because, again, Shake just left saying he's going back on another mission trip. What did you say to him? Listen, you hear that? That's the sign of him not being here. All right, you thank me later. So this just cements that Meatwad knew exactly what he was doing. He was trying to make Shake insecure to leave to go back to Guatemala to get him out of the house so that Meatwad and Frylock can be happy. 
So from there, we get a nice shift in the episode. We cut to Frylock's room where he is talking to his online crush, 6ix9ine. This scene is very short, though, because quickly after we cut to that, Shake is home again from his trip. This is supposed to have been, you know, a lapse in time here. And I should mention that Frylock is responding to 6ix9ine's message saying, hey, baby, dot, 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 dot. And Frylock's username, I should point out, is too hot for you. The two and the four being the numbers. And according to user Jay Duncan on the Anime Superhero Forum, which of course we will go over this episode's reactions over there, reactions that were had the very night that it aired, user Jay Duncan said, Useless trivia, Frylock had the same screen name as Django the Monkey from C-Lab 2021. Now I am not as familiar with C-Lab, so I can't speak to this, but any C-Lab lovers, let me know if this is correct. I assume it is. So, all right, let's jump into the scene again. Frylock is responding to the message, hey, babe, dot, dot, dot. Dear 6ix9ine, so fine. Sorry it took me so long to write you back. I had to pull some people out of a burning building this morning. <laughs> You've got to see this. Get off the computer, come in here. Hey, come in here and shake a man's hand, baby. Damn, son. That looks <laughs> horrific. <laughs> All right, so real quick to the instant messaging that Frylock is doing. Again, we talked about it back in Escape from Leprechopolis pertaining to the deleted scenes, but in the Aquatine world, as you're writing an email or an instant message or whatever this is supposed to be, because Frylock later will say that they're emails, but anyways, as you're writing it, the other person can see it as you write it. It's very strange. I don't really understand why this is. Basically, the instant messenger screen is split in two, and as Frylock is writing on the bottom, it's showing up on top uh, in response to 6ix9ine so fine. So very strange here. Never understood it, but it's a, it's a unique little quirk of the Aqua Teen world, I guess. Anyways, it's revealed that Frylock is saying that he is a firefighter to 6ix9ine so fine, and then Meatwad comes in saying, hey, you gotta get in here and see Master Shake. So we go out into the living room where Master Shake has gotten back from his second trip to Guatemala, and he has these really bold cheekbones now, and he has a chin, like a big uh, George Clooney kind of chin, but he has a hose going from his stomach into the chin, which fills it with a liquid because it's not bone or anything. They didn't put anything in there. It's just liquid sacks on his face. And his right chin cleft, I guess. I don't really know what this is called, but it is deflated. He's about to press a button on a remote he is holding that will start pumping more saline into the chin to it fully inflate it. And I want to mention that the hose part in his stomach is red. It is very inflamed, which is just so gross looking. So Frylock and Meatwad are out in the living room with Master Shake now with his new look, his improved look. He has the nose, he has the cheekbones, and he has the chin so let's hear what he has to say about it, and more importantly, what Meatwad and Frylock have to say about it. Don't be jealous. I'll send a couple skanks. I don't want your way. Don't worry. What's that on the <laughs> side? That ain't right. Are you serious? Just hold on a second, all right? Yeah, you better talk to her that. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. How's that look? What is that pumping in your jaw? Natural spring sailing. I woke up one morning and realized I was going through the chain. <laughs> you know, you should take sex ed, then you'd know what this stuff's all about. Look, all I'm saying is it just looks really infected, okay? Well, I'm not using the gravity feed system. You know how dumb I'd look in a magazine laid on a couch with a half-zippered jeans and some chick holding a friggin' saline bucket over my head to feed my jaw? <laughs> all right, all right. I don't want to ruin your career. I just want to say that some antibiotics might not be such a bad idea. Antibiotics? In Guatemala? Forget it. And give me a rat turd with a little seasoned salt. No, <laughs> I'll do the surgery there. The painkiller's here. If I did surgery, which I didn't. So that scene going really similar to the first time Shake came back with his nose job. Uh, not a whole lot to really say about it. Uh, obviously, a great set of dialogue there. I, I really enjoy it, as you could hear me laughing at it. But I don't think there's a whole lot for me to really discuss into there. Just Shake thinks he's going to be a model, and he he is justifying the the pump he has from his stomach into his chin, which just makes no sense. I don't understand where the saline is really coming from, other than the fact that he is a cup, so I suppose he could just be full of it, which is... You know, that's a whole different conversation. But this is something Matt and Dave like to do. They will have Shake kind of 
say the same things over and over again, but the situation just gets more and more absurd. So here he is still kind of trying to be like, oh yeah, I had a growth spurt at first. Obviously, it's been established by him that this isn't real. He's getting plastic surgery, besides the fact that anybody with eyes would know that this is plastic surgery. But he he reverts back to trying to justify it as not being that. But then he kind of like just quickly admits that it is. So I really like when they do that. They use this template and then they just fill around it with other things. For example, in Superhero, when, when Shake is trying to act like he is not the drizzle, but, you know, he has said before that he was here. The same thing with plastic surgery. And... Before we move on to the next scene, I just want to maybe talk about plastic surgery a little bit if anybody cares about my opinion, which like if, if some random person wants to get some work done, all the power to you. Enjoy yourself. I think it's weird when celebrities clearly get a lot of work done and then they try and deny it like Shake is doing. They're like, no, I didn't. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? We have thousands of pictures of you looking completely different than this, the way that you look now. How are you going to sit here and be like, no, I didn't get anything done? It's just absolutely ridiculous. And I'm not passing judgment on anybody. If they want to do what they want to do, it's their body. Go for it. But to deny something that is so obvious, it's just like, come on. You got to be kidding me, is it? which is exactly what Shake is doing here. So, so let's jump to the next scene. So like I said, that past clip was really similar to the first clip in the episode where Shake reveals his rhinoplasty. And it's the same thing with this next clip I'm about to play. We're still in the same scene, but Meatwad is going to open with a compliment to get on Shake's good side to gain his trust, etc. And then he's going to turn around and make himself conscious about something else. So let's listen to that. You're looking like a man's man now, boy. You're going to chop down a tree and build a log cabin so you can live <laughs> off a land and wrestle bears. I was thinking about it. I just don't know how you're going to see any bears with that fat sagging over your eyes. Meatwad don't. What if he's our friend? We need to be honest with him. Here's the test. Now look at me, Shake. Can you see me? You're all the fat dripping over your eyes. Well, now that you mention it, I don't know. <laughs> well, you can't. Look here. You want your blue jean ad? More than anything. A blue jean ad? Look, Shake, a lot of times the media tries to present an image that isn't exactly true to life. I mean, you understand what I'm saying, no, right? No, I do. I do. I understand that some people, meet one, don't look good. And that they should hide from the cameras at all costs. <laughs> it's the beautiful people that are the smart ones, and it's that very same smartness that makes them rich. Shake, people are different all over. I mean, it's not how you look on the outside. It's what's inside that Thank counts. Thank you, Dad. I get the <laughs> message. So, Shake is just totally buying into the media's narrative, really, because Frylock is, is saying that, you know, things are exaggerated, that looks... Not only are they not that important, but they are highly exaggerated in the media, and a lot of it isn't even real. And Shake's like, oh yeah, I understand. The, you know, the beautiful people are the smart ones and all this stuff. So so Shake is just really, he's fully bought in. He has drank the Kool-Aid. And Meatwad is playing on this to just dig into Shake's insecurities, even insecurities he didn't even have, because Meatwad brings up Shake's eye fat, which he never noticed before. But because Meatwad brought it up, Shake is all like, oh, well, now that you mention it, Shake is just super susceptible to believing anything negative that Meatwad might say about him. And Meatwad is just pure evil in this episode. Yeah, Shake is always a dick to Meatwad. He's always an asshole to everyone else. But I never really considered him evil. But Meatwad is just pure evil here. But anyways, uh, moving on to the next clip, this again mirrors the beginning of the episode in that once Frylax tries to talk to Shake about this stuff, Shake just deflects and he starts hitting Frylock on the fact that he's talking to this woman online. So Shake is going to bring up 6ix9ine so fine yet again. Is that what you're trying to tell 6ix9ine so fine? You read my email? You think she considers you a fireman yet? Well, screw you. Oh, good one. Never heard that one before. Why do I feel burned? <laughs> so not a whole lot to say about that. But again, there's just so much mirroring to the beginning of the episode. So, you know, the episode is however long in and we've basically had the same structure done twice similar to metallica's stanger album where they are playing the same song twice but in this episode it's not really the same thing twice because things are building subtly and slowly the first time shake just has a nose job second time now he clearly has all sorts of weird shit going on but both of those scenes kind of ending with frylock going into his room now we are left with master shake and meatwad and Meatwad, again, is going to goad Shake into getting more work done. So let's listen to that. Look, you don't listen to him, okay? He ain't vain like you are. That's right. He doesn't know. What you <laughs> need, boy, is to lose the eye fat. Get yourself some soft, pillowy lips. 
rock hard abs. <laughs> and how about a giant brain horn? I know. <laughs> I couldn't find a guy with the expertise. I mean, look at me. This is my meal ticket. You know what I'm saying? I only have one face. And that is another issue that I wasn't going to bring up, but I think you forced me to. You need a second little one so you can do tour ads. You're right, but I can't <laughs> afford to go back to Guatemala. It's all fish bladders and coconuts down there. We need someone who wears shoes and washes their hands. Don't you worry now. I know me a guy. A few things to touch on here. First of all, Meatwad calls Master Shake vain, but Master Shake doesn't realize that that's kind of an insult. It's not a good thing to be called vain or to think that you are vain. That's a negative word. But Master Shake says that his face is his meal tickets, which is funny because he has not made a single dollar off of his face. In fact, it's not really revealed how he's made any money outside of his detective work, which obviously was dropped long ago. But Miwad points out that not only does Shake need his eye fat removed, but he needs a brain horn, whatever that is, it's just nonsense, and he needs a second little face so that he can do toy ads, which is so insanely bizarre, and that is the thing here. That is Miwad going pure evil because Shake reveals he can't go back to Guatemala, and Miwad is going to hook Shake up here in New Jersey with that surgery so it's not even about getting shake out of the house anymore it's not meatwad trying to get the house to himself which you would understand to a degree it, he just wants to fuck up shake's entire body at this point point. and as always with these episodes there's the disclaimer of me apologizing for how long some of the clips can be because it's just a lot of dialogue and that i don't have a whole lot to add to some of these scenes because again it's just dialogue uh you know i i talk about some of the jokes but i'm not gonna break everything down and in an episode like this, you know, I would give my opinion on plastic surgery and stuff, but it's not really my opinion to give beyond what I've already said. I, what, what's, what's my opinion on, you know, what people want to do with their own bodies, whatever, especially people that I'll never meet, you know, so, so not a whole lot for me to really add here. But things are about to get a little bit more interesting because as I said, we've basically been going through the same structure twice, but now things are about to get a little bit different and a little bit more intense. So that last clip ended with Meatwad saying he knows a guy. So then we cut to Meatwad on Carl's doorstep. So Carl is entering the episode. Let's hear how this plays out. Hey, Carl. Hey, yourself. Who's your friend over there? Smells like uh, Norman <laughs> Joyce. Hey, it's me, Shake. <laughs> Would you get that done in Guatemala or something? Hey, what the hen? Yeah, he did. <laughs> we calling in the pros now. Is your buddy out of prison yet? Which one? Because there's three. Oh, you know which one. The guy that was in the hotel with the people and the welding. Oh, Terry, yeah, yeah, he's out. But uh, part of his parole is he's not supposed to, you know, do what he was doing to flesh. We need him. Otherwise, people are going to look at me and wonder what could have been. All right, whatever. We made it to docks at midnight. I get a 10% finest fee. You never saw me. Fine. And I need a receipt because this is a business <laughs> expense. So somehow this is a business expense for Shake. I, I assume like, oh, he's going to be a model. So this would be a business expense. That makes sense. But yeah, Meatwad's guy is basically Carl hooking him up with his buddy Terry, who was in Dumber Days uh, multiple times. We had him talking to Dr. Weird at the beginning of the episode. And then we had him supply the brain for Meatwad. And yeah, Terry is back again. I love the continuity here. Eventually, Terry is shown on screen. Not in this episode, of course, but he does get a voice later on. Right now, it's just a name brought up. Uh, just a guy who can get you body parts or, or do stuff, you know, to flesh. But eventually, he will become personified as an actual character. But until then, it's nice to have that continuity here. So moving on, we go back to 612 Wharf Avenue. At least that's what it looks to be. This is the same shot that we got in the MCP Pants episode, and I have to wonder if this is supposed to be in this world the same location, or if it's just supposed to be a similar location. I don't really know their intent. Obviously, because of the budget of the show, they just reuse the same footage, but instead of a sign that says 612 above the entryway, it says D&M Body Shop. I assume Dave and Matt, that's what that is supposed to stand in for. And as this shot is framing and it, it pans down and they go past the border of the image that they had. So you will see at the bottom of the screen some uh, magenta lines because there was just nothing else underneath there except for a raw color, I suppose. Otherwise, we have Shake, Meatwad, and Carl here on the docks. And Carl passes Shake, first of all, a, a bottle of tequila. And then second of all, he gives him a table leg 
to bite down on. And, and this leg made of wood has plenty of bite marks all, already in it. So let's jump into it and those props will make a little bit more sense. All right. He wants you to uh, drink all that before you go in there. Easily dead, my friend. Now you're talking my language. <laughs> What's this thing for? Yeah, that you will bite down on so you don't swallow your tongue. Now? Oh, you'll know when. <laughs> I feel pretty sure of that. All right. Hello, Hollywood. Let the games begin, baby. So that's just Shake running into the body shop. He's all excited. As soon as he runs in, the garage door on the big uh, warehouse, I suppose, it closes. And then we just see some lights coming out, similar to uh, like welding flashes or, or whatever, because, you know, they were discussing earlier how Terry was welding stuff to flesh. And yeah, that's all you need to know. Let, let, let's listen to Meatwad and Carl kind of comment on this. Listen to that. Goodness. Yeah, he's doing some work, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he builds hot rods, mostly. Sometimes faces. Well, we just thank you, Carl. You're being real good to us. Now shut up, I need my money now. <laughs> so, so Carl is getting a finder's fee for this, so he's not helping really totally out of the goodness of his heart. He, he is trying to get some money here. But it doesn't take too long, because after that conversation, the door opens and Shake comes out in a full-body cast. And coming out of the top of his head is a very long orange extension cord, and the top of his head is glowing neon green, too. It's like it's like going out of the cast. It's so powerful. And we see his eye. One of his eyes is exposed, and we see a little bit of skin around the eye, and it is all orange, which we will come back to later. So Shake runs out, and let's hear what he has to say. He's quick and relatively clean. You know, this beats a jungle surgery any day. Snakes everywhere down there. You can't get rid of them. Oh, I see. He sold you on the Tijuana Supremo package. Well, you know, initially I was skeptical, but once I saw them in the showroom... I mean, come on. You'd be a fool not to get it. Now let's get out of here. And how about you shut that off for the cops see us, okay? Hang on. I'm still plugged in here. <laughs> so Shake can't even move because uh, it looks like he's in a metal cast or something. It's just... Just very intense surgery that he just underwent. But he seems fine. You know, he's uh, he's in a good mood. And uh, it was real get in, get out. Terry is a quick worker. So instantly in the next clip, it's time to take off Shake's cast. It's probably been a few days or whatever. And the cast is just covered in macaroni. Meatwad glued it on, presumably. And there's tons of those classic Meatwad drawings. You know, little stars. Drawings of Meatwad himself, drawings of Shake, flowers, all sorts of little kid drawings. And they do such a great job of really imitating what children would do because this totally looks like something a kid would do. In terms of like little glitter stars everywhere and all this stuff, it's just they just really did a great job with this. And Shake, again, his head is still glowing and he is plugged in to a car battery. They are in the Aqua Teen's living room, I should point out. I don't know why he's plugged into a battery, maybe so they can move him around, but you figured he would just be plugged into the wall since he's at home, but... Yeah, that's what it is, and it's time to get the cast off. Let's jump into the scene. Freylock, get in here. I'm about to unwrap my present to the jean-wearing populace. Uh, you <laughs> sure that's why, Shake? I mean, it's only been a couple of days since you're You're right. I'm not waiting six weeks. Uh, as long as you know what you're doing. So cutting the cast is Meatwad. He he is on a buzzsaw, and he just rides it up, Master Shake. I've always loved this shot because it's so silly and it's, yeah it's just Meatwad riding this thing right up Shake and cutting the cast right off of him and Frylock too he pulls a mirror right out of his fry box for Master Shake which I don't think this is something that they've really done a lot in terms of Frylock just having whatever is needed at that moment inside of his box. So a very interesting scene, but very fun, that clip. I, I Again, I just I just love Meatwad. He has like, he has like a, a determined smile on his face as he rides up Master Shake cutting this thing off. But I suppose, you know, Meatwad worked, I wouldn't say hard for this because it seemed quite easy, but, you know, Meatwad is the mastermind behind this whole situation. So he's probably ready to see what it is that he's done. And Shake, of course, still under the impression that he is going to be a blue jean model. So before we jump into the next clip where we see what Shake looks like, I'll have to describe to you what he looks like. So first of all, his skin is like a peach color now. He has big lips and his nose actually matches the rest of his skin now, which is nice. Terry did good on that. Uh, let's, let, let me start with his uh, straw. His straw, it's, you know, it's his pink straw, but there are flames on it like you would see on the side of a car. He has green neon tubes, I guess, on his straw and then on his head. 
he has the brain horn, so basically his lid is now a metal material with a big horn coming off of it, and that horn tapers off into a little light? It's very strange. To his eyes, they are extremely pulled back, so I guess there's his eye fat gone. He still has his hands, but they are coming out at a weird angle. And then he has pecs and abs underneath his chin with flames on those as well. Those are at his very base. And then the hose is still there coming from his side into his chin to pump the saline in. So I feel like Terry, maybe he he reinforced that because in the, in the last scene, really, that we had Meatwad and Shake talking, it, it sprung a leak, but I guess Terry fixed it. And then last but not least here... Shake has a little tiny face sticking out of the side of his face, like Meatwad suggested. It's really gross and really creepy looking. And beyond that, we have the jumper cables from the car battery on each side of Shake's lid. So that's essentially what it looks like. Again, I'm sure you've seen him, but it is just quite the sight. It is so strange, and I love that they did this. Again, like... With the season two money, we can get all these different versions of Shake, which we couldn't get before. And it really makes the episode. It's such a treat and it's very memorable. So that is what Shake looks like. Let's listen to the big reveal. Oh my God. I want you to contact Jordash and tell them I'm on my way. Well, what <laughs> happened to the bar? This is like a little shelter down here. Well, if you add somewhere, stupid, you obviously have to subtract from somewhere. So then they took your butt and put it on your face. They did what now? Yeah, see this butt. <laughs> it's flat. Actually, it's concave, isn't it? Well, you got an ass face, boy. Am I right? Well, I guess you are right. I ain't talking to you. I'm talking to ass face over here. What do you think, asshole? How am I going to fill the jeans if I don't have an ass? You ain't. You need to get yourself a job making horror movies. <laughs> Return of the deadly asshole. Well, fine. Never go back to asshole Lake. <laughs> well, fine. I, I want to gene it. That's simple. Deadly asshole Lake camp. A little work on but, that one. But I could do underwear, right? Right? Flip over, shovel ass. You could do a hospital out. They won't have to use makeup. No! This isn't happening! You're a sucker. No! <laughs> What am I gonna- So Meatwad instantly just pointing out the flaws in Shake, which, you know, Shake uh, collapses under that criticism, both figuratively and literally in this case, because he does fall down. And I, I need to point out here that when Shake is talking, he's only talking out of one side of his mouth for some reason. I don't quite understand, other than the idea being that this was a uh, not-so-great surgery anyways i cut that scene in two here just to just to cut in here and explain some stuff to you and yeah uh, as you expect meatwad is just making shake feel terrible so now shake is about to reach out to frylock to potentially help him frylock you're into that science crap you can you can straighten this all out for me oh i thought i was inferior I don't know. Is the unwashed allowed to touch the golden? Well, maybe this one time I could let it pass. <laughs> I won't tell anyone. Listen, it's one or the other, okay? Either you get your ass back or you keep that face. I choose the ass. It's so funny to me that, like, I've never thought about Shake having an ass. He's just a cup. But since he has that little uh, set of abs in the front now, there's nothing back there. It's supposed to be kind of like a body. He just has a giant head, I suppose. But that's uh, in, in the show, that's his ass is gone. And, you know, he wants to be a blue jean model. And without an ass, well, you can't quite fill out those jeans. And the weird thing is, why doesn't he just have an ass implant now? Why, why does he have to revert everything now? You know, it doesn't really make sense. Kind of reminding me of on the Booyah 90s Now podcast, the host Rob pointed out about Dumber Dolls. That why did they have to buy Meatwad a new doll? Why couldn't they just get him another toilet paper tube and an apple when Shake destroyed Dewey and Vanessa? Here it's like, well, Shake's already gotten so much surgery. Why can't he just get a saline ass put in or something like that? Like Kim Kardashian style, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really make sense. He has to get all of it reverted. But it does lead us into a future scene here in a little bit where Shake is just, God, he's so mutilated. He's all bruised up. It's just disgusting. But before we get there... We, we cut in Aqua Teen style to the little face on Shake's face and it talks. It gives us a little Schooly D transition from this little toy ad face that Meatwad suggested. Y'all thought Michael Jackson was crazy. Saying, of course, y'all thought Michael Jackson was crazy. So that's our second Michael Jackson reference in this episode. Not even the second in the series because we had a Captain EO comment before. And there might have been another MJ reference. I can't really recall. But yeah, Michael Jackson, as you know, he was kind of one of the first figures to really take plastic surgery too far. This all stemming from his body dysmorphia, as I touched on 
criticisms he got from his father growing up about how ugly he was and all this stuff and and a bunch of other reasons obviously i can't diagnose it all but in michael jackson's defense a lot of people comment on how he made his skin whiter which stems from the fact that he had vitiligo which is when you have different pigmentation on certain splotches of your skin which is documented that he had you could see it in pictures on his arms and stuff where he had some white splotches that he says that he made his skin all white to kind of even it out. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but uh, I, maybe it's possible that the, the condition could get worse. So it's like, all right, you have, you have to go. Uh, if you want to look normal, you have to kind of just smooth everything out in one color. I don't know. But I mean, there was some justification to it. But uh, sadly, a lot of it was, uh, again, just by dysmorphia. And I'm sure just being in that Hollywood culture of that manufactured kind of look. Anyways, we cut to the next scene. Shake is now laying down in Meatwad's room. And before we see Shake, we see Frylock floating in the hallway next to Meatwad's room. And he has no goatee anymore. So that did come back. That insult from Shake to Frylock about his goatee being bad. He shaved it off. So it's a really strange look because his face is just really lacking definition now. Because that goatee really helped out when, you know, you're a box of fries kind of uh, humanize the look. But without that, it's just a little silly looking. But when we do see Shake, he is laying down in Meatwad's room in front of a window, and there is a bowl of what looks like tomato soup sitting in front of him. And to describe Shake, he is in rough, rough shape. Everything about him is just all bumpy and disfigured, really, including his lid. It's all wavy. He still has the nose on his body, but it's not on his face. It's put down like on his ass, I guess. They're, they just took everything off of him and put it all onto his ass. And he's all stitched up and purple, blue, green, and his straw is wrapped up kind of like a cast, and on it we see Frylock written, and then some scribbles. I can't really make them out, but you have to assume that those are Meatwad trying to sign it. So Shake is laying on the ground with his eyes closed when we first see him, and yeah, he's just, he looks awful. It's so disturbing. And I should mention at some point in this scene, Carl comes up and starts saying stuff. He's outside, but he's looking through the window, and Frylock will close the blind. So let's jump into it. No. Uh, you can tell he's still depressed. Really? Is he out of my room yet? What? I need my space! I can hear you out there. Maybe I'll get a Benetton ad where they look for freaks. Shake, you're not a freak, okay? I think I'm looking at freaks! Yeah, I mean, yes, you do have a pair of large nostrils going down your back, and oh they're running. God, oh, what are you doing? Was he talking man? about me? No, of course not. Oh, you missed it. It's a huge milkshake. Yeah, he's like a I gotta go. <laughs> so, yeah, Shake is just, oh, was he talking about me? He's he's all sensitive now and sad. I mean, I understand he's he's really been through a lot, all thanks to Meatwad. But but as you heard Frolic say, the nose on Shake's side starts running, which is disgusting. Uh, somehow it's functioning, which doesn't make sense. Yeah, you know, supposedly it was just coconuts. I don't know why they wouldn't just take the coconuts out. But anyways... The other thing I want to mention is the blinds that Frylock lowers. They are all fucked up when he does it, which is just so true to life in a kid's bedroom, especially Meatwad's bedroom. Just real great attention to detail there that they didn't use just like stock, you know, nice looking blinds to close. They had these these shitty ones made, which I love. Also want to point out Meatwad there. Like, oh, did Shake leave my room yet? Because he, he needs this space, which, yeah, that just goes to show the evilness of Meatwad in this episode because he put Shake through all this and Shake is just depressed now. He is disfigured and all Meatwad cares about is getting his room back. But you can't totally feel sorry for Shake. He's about to be annoying in this next scene and we'll touch more on if he deserves this or not in a little bit. But jumping into the next scene... Frylock has to head out and he tries on a fireman outfit for Meatwad to get his opinion. He's wearing a fireman's hat with a number seven on it and he is wearing a fire jacket, but it is like duct taped to his face so that it stays on because, you know, Frylock doesn't have a body and not a whole lot to say about this jacket. It's kind of a neon yellow, what you would expect a fireman to wear and the waist there, there is a belt around the waist, but there is just, you know, it uh, is super tight because there's nothing there. So it's just really funny imagery. He almost looks like a, like a floating ghost. But then Meatwad passes Frylock a Phantom of the Opera-esque mask saying, here, wear this. So that's kind of all the setup we need. Let's jump into that scene. Frylock, please, let me handle this, okay? Good, because I got to get out of here. Did you change something? You look kind of different. No, no, I'm, I'm the same. How, how does this uh coat look? 
<laughs> Pretty cool, huh? Well, I loosen that belt. I mean, she's going to think you ain't got nothing down there but a spine or, or a snake body. <laughs> she? Oh, man. I'm just going to go run a few errands, you know. You're right. Here. Say something about how bad the fire was and you got your face burned up. Play the pity card. Hello? It's your only hope. Hello? <laughs> me? God, Shake is so annoying. Hello, me? So you can't entirely feel sorry for him because he goes and acts like that. So it's like, okay, well, how much of him being sad is real? Is he just playing it up for attention? You just can't tell. And at that point, you don't really care about him anymore. But we hear that Frylock is going to be going to meet 6ix9ine so fine, which I don't think we ever hear how that goes. But I mean, you could probably assume how it would go. And I like that Miwad points out she's going to think that there's a snake bottom down there because that's exactly what happens to Carl in the Love Mummy episode where at the end, he has a body of a snake. He, well, he has the, the, the top part of himself, but then instead of legs, he has that snake bottom. Anyways, moving on, we have our last clip here where Meatwad is going to go up to Shake, who was just asking for attention and go to feed him some of the soup. But... You'll hear that uh, Meatwad, he's still sticking to his attitude that he's had throughout the entire episode. You better eat that soup. It's going to help you feel better. All right, if you think so. <laughs> Whoa, little pig. You show a little self-control. <laughs> Nothing grosses me out more than fat people like you. I'm fat. As hell. Have you seen yourself? I would not eat anymore unless you're going to get rid of it. You know what I mean? What do you mean? I ain't talking about digestion. I'm talking about this. <laughs> Meatwad, no. So that's Meatwad pretending to stick his finger down his throat to make himself throw up. So, yeah, that's the end of the episode. We have Meatwad putting in Shake's head that he is fat and he needs to become bulimic and uh, I suppose also anorexic at the same time. So, Meatwad goes out swinging on this one, just still trying to inflict as much pain as possible on Shake, even though he's at the lowest we've probably ever seen him really at all in this show so far. But all right, again, that is Supermodel. And before I give you my thoughts as a whole on the episode, let's jump over to the Anime Superhero Forum, this thread from June 22nd, 2003, and see what people who saw it for the first time that it aired were saying about it. So the first comment on this thread is from Living Fruit Virus, who says, not much new stuff tonight, eh? New Aqua Teen next week, then that's it for a while. So this is obviously a really short comment here, but I want to bring it up because, like I was saying, Aqua Teen was the only new thing this week, and, and from what he says, it's probably the only new thing next week as well. And then he says, then that's it for a while, and that is because Aqua Teen takes like a two-month break after, after the next episode we're going to cover, Super Spore. There's no new episodes for about two months until they come back again. So the nice thing is, in our pop culture, we will be able to jump ahead a little bit, and we won't have the same stuff. But yeah, uh, not, again, just a really not crazy time on Adult Swim, because they aren't airing a whole lot of new stuff. But I wanted to read that one out real quick. Our friend Landstander is back again. I'll read his comment, because we can, we've been kind of sticking with Landstander. So let's see what he thought about this one. He said, good one. Up to par for the quality of the Aqua Teen Hunger Forces this season. Meatwad was excellently out of character here and was the best of the three. Carl had some good moments, particularly about getting Shake to go to his hot rod slash face maker. Frylock without a mustache and Shake becoming whatever he became was also fairly well done. The highlight for me, however, was the opening with my old internet alias, Dr. Weird. The lawnmower sequence was the hardest I laughed at the whole episode and brings this up to a B+. Eh, I don't feel like doing positives negatives. Maybe after I see it a few more times. So that's what Landstander had to say, and he kind of mirrors the sentiment I saw at the beginning of this thread, where people who immediately saw it and came and commented, they didn't really like this episode. Now, Landstander here said he didn't mind it, but there's a lot of people saying that this one sucked, all this stuff, but, you know, people who are negative usually come in first, because they're like, oh, I gotta let everyone know I don't like this thing, and as the thread goes on, the comments trend more positive but let me end on this uh middle of the road comment here because i find them a little bit more interesting than just praise chief says i thought it was kind of weak c minus anyone else wish they had brought back the old style shake like in that one episode of space Ghost coast to coast now i wonder if chief is referencing baffler meal because that shake is not like the shake that we ever had on aqua Teen. so kind of an interesting comment i'm like well maybe does he mean from Rabot, where he is a little bit more official and he's trying to be a detective, but he's also kind of a... I don't know. I, I, I just... I sat there and thought about it for a while. I can't really figure out what Chief means, 
but it's interesting to think about maybe preferring the earlier shake perhaps to the shake in this episode who is a little too vain maybe the whole the whole episode is around him being vain maybe that uh, isn't as interesting and maybe chief just prefers the shake who is an asshole to other people not the person who gets picked on himself i don't know but that also led me to ponder how imagining somebody who saw the show for the first time with Rabot and Escape from Leprechopolis, and you expect it to be this kind of detective show, and that's what you liked about it. You liked having the new monster of the week, and then the show became not that. And that was always Matt and Dave's intention, was to not be that. But it's a bit of a bait and switch for people who latched on to that idea, which I think is interesting, and I'd be interested to hear from anybody who watched the show as it came out, what were your thoughts on it changing? Because I didn't come into the show until season two was over. I think I came in around beginning of season four, maybe. So the show was already rooted in, in what it would become, being that slice of life, kind of these characters hanging out and getting into trouble. Occasionally there's some sort of villain, but otherwise not really. If you got into it with early season one, like I could see that being a disappointment. And I think it's, I think it's fair to feel that way because again, it was a little bit of a bait and switch. Uh, not not intentionally for viewers, I assume. It was really more for the network to let them get on the air to begin with. But yeah, nonetheless, it, it, it definitely probably upset a few viewers. So all right, enough of the comments. As always, that link to the thread will be in the show notes if you'd like to see what everyone was saying about it that night. But on to my thoughts and to close out this episode. I really like this episode. I have a soft spot for it. I like seeing Meatwad in control, even though now as an adult and really analyzing it, you, it's really messed up, super manipulative, arguably darker and, and worse than anything Shake has done to Meatwad. Although granted, Shake has almost killed Meatwad on at least one occasion. I'm thinking of PDA when he has him in the pool. So... Uh, you know, Shake wasn't really at risk of dying necessarily here, so maybe it's not as bad. I don't know. That, that's up for you to decide. But I really enjoy this one. I like how we can see how they play with the formula of having Shake kind of, you know, deny stuff at first and then own up to it, and it just keeps getting more and more absurd. Honestly, I'm just going to say it. To me, this is like superhero, but done right. It's, it's a similar idea of Shake's vanity, but we get more screen time from the other characters and they aren't as one note as they are in Superhero. So for that, I appreciate it. You know, as I've said, Superhero, you're kind of waiting for it to be over because it's the same thing over and over again. This episode is similar, but the way that Shake is just becoming more and more disfigured, I suppose, is, is fun to watch and that keeps it fresh. And again, just the other characters are a little bit more fleshed out here. We get Frylock with his whole love plot side story. We get Meatwad being the one pulling the strings with Master Shake. And yeah, just all the characters are here. And that's what, what we love about the show is all the characters. It's not just one character being focused on. And just the whole Shake denying it thing didn't get old like it did in Superhero. So I'm going to give this one four neon tubes out of five. I think it's just a solid episode. I've always liked this one. It's not like the best Aqua Teen episode, but it's what Dave and Matt like to do a lot, but done right. It's a Shake-centric episode while also featuring the other characters and not just being boring in a sense. Yeah, it's super dialogue heavy, which for this podcast isn't always the best thing because it's less for me to talk about, less things for us to explore. But as an episode itself, it's solid and I really really enjoy it. So that is it for me. Thank you for hanging out. And if you like the show, if you appreciate what I do, if what I do brings you value, please consider heading on over to patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden and signing up over there. It would really help me out. And you also get exclusive content over there. There's about five or six episodes sitting in there waiting for you of me going over all sorts of stuff. And I'm just going to keep adding stuff in there. And I hope that you could be there while I do it. So that's it. For me, I got to give a shout out to my boys, Sean, Ian, Josh, and Keenan, the homeboys, the super supporters of the show. Love you guys. And hey, I'll see you all next week when we cover season two, episode six, Super Sport. Take it easy. Sucker.